Welcome. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today in studio with me, one of our favorite guests, Alice Wellens, who is a licensed uh, clinical social worker and a therapist here in Atlanta. Thanks for joining us, Alice. You know this is my favorite place to be on Tuesday afternoon. We love having you. Also with me is David Donaldson from the Atlanta Healing Center. Hey, David. So I no longer have favorite guest status. No, oh, I have to work on that. <laughs> you have a higher status than favorite guest. <laughs> so um, today we're going to discuss an interesting topic about uh, the role of community in the uh, process of recovery from addiction and addiction care. Before we get started on that, though, I wanted to give a plug for a. Uh, a giving back opportunity that Alice is taking in December, Sunday, December 2nd, Loving Kindness Candlelit Meditation. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and how people can learn more and join in if they would like? Yes. So um, Loving Kindness is shown to have lots of benefits to you physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Um, It's a meditation that is shown to decrease rumination, decrease stress, decrease reactivity, and increase feelings of connection um, and empathy, um, even on a neurobiological level. So on Sunday, December 2nd, from 4.30 to 6.30, I'll be having a loving-kindness meditation. It's all on my website. I'll tell you that in a minute. And it'll be learning to sit on the cushion, um, learning the basics of meditation and breath, Um, learning a little bit about using sound and how to sit and use your body. And then the last hour plus will be a nice, cozy, loving-kindness meditation. You'll create a little nest. You'll have a blanket. It'll be candlelit. It'll be quiet. Um, We'll have the meditation, which is based on John Kabat-Zinn's monthly-based relapse prevention work. And um, then we'll have some stillness and silence, and then we'll have a little surprise. And then we're also at the end going to have food and some music and um, the nice little candlelight. So there'll be a chance for community to just sort of be be in community or actually engage and talk with each other. Maybe a little chanting. So, if, and if you're a professional, you can get two continuing education units for that. You can check that out on my website www.alicewellens a l y c e w e l l o n s dot com. Thank you. So this is open to... It's open to anyone. Um, professionals will get CEUs if they want them. Which really are really nice, especially at the end of the year when many of us are scrambling to make sure that we've got all those continuing education exactly. units covered. And it's a nice way to get them because there's no PowerPoint. The lights aren't even going to be on <laughs> half the time. And um, you can take your shoes off, I'll bet. And you take your shoes off, and you're going to wrap up in a blanket and be fed. So it's kind of a nice way to get CEUs. Can you tell us a little bit about John's relapse prevention plan and why it is you chose that one? Yes. So John Kabat-Zinn and his um, people who have studied under him for many years created the eight-week mindfully-based stress reduction course, which most of us know about, and which a lot of mindfully-based stress research comes from because it's consistent, it's measurable. Um, So a lot of research and statistics that you see on mindfulness and meditation come from his work all the way back from the 70s. So some of his um, people 
created an eight-week mindfully-based relapse prevention program off his work. So, again, it's Mm evidence-based. It's research-based. It's a protocol that's used consistently in treatment centers and different places. There's a workbook. um, There's a schedule for each week. And one of the weeks has a loving-kindness meditation in it. And so I pulled from that as a way to blend the wonderful benefits of meditation, but based in theory and research um, that our field is using. And a perfect time of year when many people are stressed Mm -hmm. and harried and hassled to take a moment out and do some self-reflection and do some loving-kindness work, both for themselves and for others. And um, sounds like a wonderful evening. So are other folks invited uh, if they don't need continuing education units? Clients, family, friends, partners, anybody is welcome. It's a two-hour meditation. You don't need to have any meditation or yoga experience at all. Um, it's open for beginners, and we're gonna, we'll actually help beginners learn to use the cushion and the mat. So anybody can come. So if you're a professional but you want to bring your partner, then it's you kind of get a both. You get a little date, a little and date, you're getting right? some CEUs. Um, so, yes, anybody is welcome to attend. And where will it be located? It's at the Center for Love and Light, which is in Virginia Highlands on Zona Light. So it's right where um, Johnson, North Highland turns into Johnson, and it dead ends at, at Briarcliff. And it's right back in there. The link to the event is on my website as well. So it's in Virginia Highlands, and it's um, you register on my website. It's $35, and you register right there online, and then you just show up. It's tons of free parking, which is a big plus for Atlanta, Yes, especially in town. Um, so should be a nice night. I think right now in particular, as we're entering this, this maniac holiday season, that this sounds wonderful. I'm, I'm already beginning to notice people getting stressed out about the holidays. Um, just getting into Halloween and and with Thanksgiving and Christmas coming, this is really, really nice timing. And it really ties into our theme of community because it's a way to engage in community at whatever level you would like. Either just you come in and you don't have to talk to anybody if you don't want to, but you can... Part of the loving-kindness meditation is we send loving-kindness to all the beings in the room. So whether you even talk to anybody or not you are receiving from 30 other people in the room well wishes. And that's a really nice thing. And then you also give those same wishes to other beings in the room and and all beings on the planet. So it's a nice way to create community if you're maybe if you're not into it or you don't want to talk to anybody or having a tough day, um, all the way to socializing with colleagues or friends or bringing a partner. You could even bring a kid if you wanted, if they could you know, hang out for two hours and do something like that. Sounds like a lovely evening, and the timing is perfect, and the topic is perfect, because today we're going to talk about community. So let's back up a minute. And, Alice, when you think about community, what does that mean to you? I've been thinking about this since we've been talking about the possibility of doing this topic and I think community to me really can have a global feeling like just feeling like I'm a member of the human race I'm a member of um of 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 a planet I'm I'm part of something large and big and wonderful and rich and active 
And, uh, you know, in Buddhist psychology, there's a, there's a piece around interdependence. And in addiction, there's a real piece around isolation and shame. So even right. when you're sitting in your home or in your car and you're struggling and you're in the depths of your addiction or something awful is happening, you really start to feel alone. And your suffering isolates you, and, it, and shame isolates you. So even just the global concept of suffering is part of life, and other beings are out there suffering, and somewhere somebody is in a meditation sending you loving kindness, whether you even know it or not, because you're part of the human race, or your 7 o'clock meeting that you missed that night because you were too ashamed to go, they're thinking about where you are, what you're doing, and if you're okay, and somebody's reaching out to you. You know, we can talk about it from all levels to your regular home group meeting to just being a member of the planet and everything in between. So it's that sense of belonging and being a part of and being cared for in some way, even when you yourself may not feel like you have the energy or the power to give back or the power to reach out. There are other people in a community that may be reaching out, thinking about you, meditating, praying for you, giving you positive uh, wishes. And if you can get to a place of being open to that, being able to receive mm-hmm. those kinds of positive images can go a long way mm-hmm. to protect you or to help you get through some pretty negative, dark places. Don't you think? Yes, I do. Because shame is a central component of how addiction works. It needs to isolate you. Uh, shame isolates you. It makes you feel like Not only are you doing something wrong, which is guilt, but that there's something wrong with you. And then the cascade effect from that is you don't want to show up places. You don't want people to get close to you. You don't want them to know what's really going on. If we personify the addiction, we talk about the addiction wants you all to itself. And so community in its broadest sense and even on its most micro level really helps combat shame and helps combat that future of addict of addict feature of addiction because if somebody's loving you and thinking about you and trying to be close to you it's chipping away at that shame and, and that isolation that's happening and it's paving a road for you to walk down you know when you're ready and when it's time do you all see that in your work, too? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So much of the work that we're doing is helping people begin to walk out of mm-hmm. shame, beginning to open up and trust that it's okay to share their story and they're going to be listened and loved. Um, but, you know, I think about the, the education about the cycle of shame and part of how it's taught is that once this is a part of your life, it doesn't go away. It's back there. And so... When people are in this recovery process and they're reconnecting with community, community, but then they have to miss a meeting because life gets busy or they're working late or something happens, the shame is right there to say you're not trying hard enough. Or you, if you really cared about your recovery, you would definitely make it to these meetings. And the next thing the person knows, they're back in a state of isolation again. Um, through no fault of their own. They were just you know, beginning to get back involved in life, and life takes over so quickly. 
That is such a good point. And, you know, you hear people in meetings talk about your your addiction is out in the parking lot doing push-ups, just waiting for you, waiting for some crack. And shame is, that's the, you know, shame is right in there, too, just waiting for you to miss a meeting or get busy and then just find a way to creep in and start giving you those messages. Absolutely. We're going to take a break now. When we come back, we're going to talk a little more about this whole topic of community and how it really is something we all need. So please stay tuned. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at EHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schurz, as we talk about the topics that doctors talk about amongst themselves, such as Medicare, Obamacare, alternative forms of care, and health information technology. Join us every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today in studio is one of our favorite guests, Alice Wellens, who's a licensed clinical social worker and has a practice here in Atlanta. If you're interested in learning more about her practice, please go to her website at www.alicewellens.com. That's Alice, A-L-Y-C-E, Wellens, W-E-L-L-O-N-S dot com. Or you can reach her at area code 404 uh, her website is very good. Um, not just is it attractive and easy to use, but there are lots of very interesting articles, references, and you're a very busy person, Alice. Um, so she is speaking and um, holding workshops and doing a lot of 
community work as well as training other therapists and healthcare providers um, and helping them heal. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that uh, towards the end of the show. But please go to her website, check it out. And if you'd like more information or you'd like to work with her, please give her a call. We, we highly recommend the work that she does. So right before the break, we were talking about what happens particularly in early recovery and that great poll that the tendency to feel shame, to not want to reveal to others your secrets, to not want to have to talk about where the disease of addiction has taken you, and how that pulls you more and more into isolation. You don't want to see your family, you don't want to see your friends, you don't want people to ask you questions, you don't want to have to explain what might have happened to your college career or why you're changing jobs or moving back home with your parents. You don't want to have these these discussions and so you become more and more isolated and less and less involved and the disease of addiction thrives in isolation. So community, as we define it in recovery, I think is really important. And often that may be a very small group or just even a, an individual therapist or a, a sponsor that you might be working with initially. But that opening up and allowing other people in your life and sharing yourself with others, I think, is, is the really important part of healing and avoiding how that disease is going to trap you back into isolation and uh, back into the disease. Yes. Um, When I think about community in addiction and recovery, I always start from treatment and go go all the way down. (laughs) It sort of helps me organize my thoughts. So If somebody goes to treatment, so an inpatient residential treatment program somewhere, oftentimes you will hear them, you know, after they get over the shock of being there and start to feel a little better, um, they are so happy to be somewhere in an apartment with other people, going to groups, having meals, even just taking a shower and feeding themselves and waking up in the morning and having somewhere to go with other people, it's you see them start to come back to life. And you see these communities, if they live in an apartment or on a unit, oftentimes you see these groups really starting to bond. And they, they don't have a history together, so that makes it helpful. The addiction hasn't ravaged those relationships. But the community that they developed becomes really tight, and it really means a lot to them. And if it's a healthy community, and we know sometimes they don't turn out so healthy, <laughs> but if it's a healthy community, the the recovery takes on exponential effects in, in all these different dimensions. And you'll see them, a lot of treatment centers have um, alumni weekends where they can come back once or twice or three times a year. They can see their therapist. They can see the person at the front door greeting them. Um, they can go back and see some of their old groups. So that community is something that really sustains them. I've known people. I have somebody in my practice who flies from California every year to come back to their return visit for 16 years. So it's a lot. It, it, they hold that. So I think mm-hmm. of community on that level first in right. recovery. 
And sometimes it is um, small. It may be uh, a small group. Mm -hmm. It may be their outpatient group. It may be a local AA or NA meeting or Celebrate Recovery meeting where they begin to hear other people's stories, other people's honest talk about where they have been, what this disease has done to them and their life, and they begin, that individual may begin to be able to share their own experiences, and in doing that, it's like being in war together. Mm -hmm. The um, ability to bond at a very intimate level in terms of intimacy related to being open, honest, and sharing your feelings is a very powerful healing tool. So people often want to not go to treatment. They want to avoid that. They want to do anything other than just, Doc, give me a pill so that I don't have to deal with any of this. But it is in that um, in that ability to open up and to be a part of a group where people get it. They understand where you've been. They're not judging you. They are just happy that you're there and they're happy that you're trying and they're glad to see you when you walk in the room. That is such a healing experience for people who have been feeling so rejected and so sad and so remorseful for how their lives have have been over the uh, past weeks, months, Years, it's a it's a real powerful sensation for them, and it really starts them on the road to healing if they can just take that first very hard step to walk in that room. Well, and so you know, often we'll talk about strike when the the iron's hot. When somebody's like in that painful situation, and they're just saying, "Okay, whatever it takes, I'll do that." And generally, when they're in that place, there's somebody walking with them. It mm-hmm. might be two orderlies, one on either arm, or it <laughs> right. might be a family member, but they're not alone mm-hmm. walking into that initial experience. Um, it becomes a little scarier for them when they're moving from that protected cocoon environment into the community where they're being asked to go to a 12-step meeting or to a smart recovery meeting all by themselves. Um, yeah. And so when the communities are doing that as a group, that really helps with that, that process. So if you think of it, you know, first you're a community member on the planet, and then now we're, you might be a community member in a treatment center, but how are you a community, what is your community in your everyday life as a person in recovery? And I think that's what we're talking about now. And that looks, that can look however you start to design it. Um, therapy, meetings, a doctor, psychiatrist, um, support groups, education, where is it that you go that you walk in the room and just like you said that the the people in the room know you and you walk in and they say, hey Susan, hey David, it's good to see you. And if you don't walk in Thursday at 630, you'll be missed and somebody's going to reach out and look for you. If you miss your appointment or if you don't show up for your meeting, then somebody's going to know and mm-hmm. because you've created this community they're going to care and they're going to reach out to you and ask you what's going on i missed you how are you so it's really thinking about how does community show up for a person in recovery in their everyday life and i think it's very um 
difficult initially for people because often as they think about what's their community, they may be reflecting on the people that they used to go drinking with or partying with. They think about their friends that are still active in the disease, or maybe they don't have the disease, but their level of activity includes some mood or mind-altering substance, or it includes activities that are not conducive to a healthy lifestyle. So not only has the disease isolated them from maybe their family, their friends, uh, people at work, but now as they look at how do I re-enter, how do I leave the treatment center, how do I leave the treatment groups, my friends all use. Uh, maybe my significant other is um, actively using drugs or alcohol. How am I going to negotiate this? And that's where beginning to rethink and replan and redevelop a community takes some work and some thinking about and listening to others' experience because so many times people don't want to change the people, places, and things in their life and think that they are going to be able to pretty easily manage just going back and hanging out at the parties and going to the bars to play darts and the the tailgate um, events on the weekends with their regular friends and, and remain clean and sober, and that usually doesn't work as well as they plan. So thinking about the good parts of the community that they've had for, for their, their life, their years, and then thinking about what parts of their community they may have to rearrange or develop. Another important, important part of treatment, an important part of that process of um, reentry, as we talk about. Absolutely. And I love the piece about hearing how others have done it, mm-hmm. you know, that so many others have gone before you and many others will come after you. And sharing your experience, strength, and hope is a wonderful way to get information and wisdom from a community, not telling somebody what to do or what not to do, but sharing. Mm-hmm. And the community can be great for that because you you really started to list some important things that people have to face, that there are things that going to be things that are going to have to change maybe for a short term maybe medium maybe long you can figure that out as you go but um, community will have to it will have to reshape itself in some important ways yeah there's absolutely people in a community that that you're going to have to just let go of mm-hmm. and people that the relationship's going to change in particular i think about family members that that mm-hmm. it's very difficult to let go of, but you might need to have some space from for a while, or you might need to invite them into this changing process um, because there is a strong pull to try and get back to the status quo, um, like we talked about in many many shows. Well, let's just get back into this community as it is, right? But <laughs> that community uses a lot of things to help medicate, and so this person is going to have to learn a new community to experience. Maybe we should talk about community in the holidays for our oh, next segment. <laughs> yes, um, because that is um, that is often not only a, a huge challenge, but it's a continuing challenge. And even when people have been in recovery for some time, there are challenges around the holidays that um, that really create 
issues for them and really make it difficult. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about communities in the holidays. Thanks for listening. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. So we are starting um, a series of holiday season coming up, and some people may think I'm kind of like Walmart and I'm <laughs> jumping the gun, and maybe so, but um, next week we've got a really strong newly over the last I'd say 10 20 years newly strong drinking holiday which is Halloween Halloween used to be much more about little kids dressing up and going trick-or-treating in the neighborhood now we're seeing that um, adult parties and adult parties that include drinking or adult trick-or-treating where the kids are getting a candy from the neighbor and the the parent is getting a drink from the neighbor. We see um, this um, really evolving as a a big old drinking holiday. So if you live in a neighborhood, uh, if you have uh, friends, colleagues, uh, workmates that are interested in celebrating this way, how do you manage and, and what becomes your community? How do you deal with that? Mm-hmm. I think is a huge question for people. Well, in Atlanta in particular has started celebrating on the Saturday before Halloween. <laughs> and go all the way through. Mm-hmm. For as long as I've lived here. 
So that aspect of it is just a part of the Atlanta culture that um, that people are going to need some support in helping manage. Yeah. The holidays are really important because if you have a community in place, then you can think about how am I going to use the community I have to navigate the holidays. You know, everybody has to up their game during the holidays of around self-care and treating their disease. Because um, stress is is the first domino that falls in a relapse, and if you if you can find a more stressful time of year than the holidays, in a general sense, then please let me know, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I'm sure all our offices are pretty full during the holidays. Um, so it's really thinking about how can you, what do you need to do to increase community support during the holidays, and taking a look at the community in which you are. You, surrounded by your social community in celebrating the holidays and how can you create a safe zone there um, around protecting your disease. So your therapist, your sponsor, your psychiatrist, uh, your other therapist, like you just start talking to people about that. Um, The other piece is looking at a lot of people travel during the holidays, so they're leaving their community. Yes, good point. And going home where, dare I say, there could be some triggers. (laughs) (laughs) And some stress. And some stress and some old stories. Um, There's a a little... Which will trigger stress. Which will trigger (laughs) stress. And and, And when you're away from your community and you're back in your sort of family of origin type dynamics, it takes... 48 to 72 hours before everybody is right back into their roles. In their um, adolescent role. Whatever age you are, you immediately become an adolescent back at home. Assume the position and (laughs) here we go. So, you know, you've got a lot going on there because you're away from your community. You're away from your routine. You're away from your own bed and your own food and all the things that make you feel grounded and stable. And you're in back in this family of origin or there have been some changes in your family. And so you've got, you know, you've got feelings about things that are happening and maybe have changed or losses. So how are you going to keep the wisdom and the importance of community when you're not in community. And that's something to really start to think about. How do you get those support networks and keep them in place and keep them helpful during that time? You know, the stories that stick are the ones that are generally pretty embarrassing to, like, one person within that community <laughs> yeah. setting. I'm thinking of this story with my um, with my grandfather who owned a farm with apple trees, and I was down there helping him pick apples, and I got stung on the nose by a yellow jacket, and I dropped this basket of apples. And I heard about that basket of apples <laughs> being dropped for the next 20 years of his life. And, you know, it was definitely told with love. But it was Ish. also told with embarrassment and <laughs> connection, right. and this is just part of the family stories. Um, but helping a person who is going home and knowing that these same stories are going to come, to be able to reframe it and recognize that it, you know it, there is there's um, warmth and embarrassment yeah. and emotions with all of that. Yeah, I usually talk to my clients about creating a plan on all levels. You know, one is take your daily readings 
stuff that you can do. Take your podcast, speaker meeting podcast, any anything that detailing addiction podcast. Your detailing addiction podcast, which can be found on any podcast channel. So, taking that all these portable practices that you take with you, mm-hmm. um, and also um, setting up check ins. So whether it's text, whether it's FaceTime. Um, you know, whatever it is, email, whatever it is that you are in some type of regular contact with your community because it's portable now. So we can be in contact with them. We can check in. Um, we can hear back from them. Other people can check in with us, you know, which right. helps us too, makes us feel like, okay, um, I'm helpful here. And especially if it's the holidays, I often suggest to my patients that they make check-in dates Mm -hmm. that um, if everything's fine, it's a quick call or text, everything's good. But knowing that at 2 o'clock on Tuesday, I'm going to speak with my sponsor, I'm going to call my uh, next-door neighbor, my best friend, my recovery buddy, somebody so that I can offload anything that I've been dealing with over the last few days and also knowing that they're going to expect me to and they'll be there and they'll be available and I'm not going to be inconveniencing them during family time or holiday time. So having those check touch points really can be helpful, particularly if you're out of town or if you've um, if you've got a lot of those um, very stressful events coming up in your life during the season, absolutely. The more the accountability, the better the chance that it's actually going to happen. And then it does this magical thing of it's working more outside of that accountability check in at two o'clock because you know you're going to do it, and you know somebody's probably going to be checking in with you about how they're doing so it helps keep hold you during those other times mm-hmm. um, one of the things that most people who are really working a strong program do is they go to a local meeting mm-hmm. and you, you when your ear hears that first they might plan to go and then they might actually go and that is a real sign to me that they were putting their recovery ahead of everything else. And so, you know, there are meetings everywhere. You might have to get a rental car. You might have to borrow your mom's car, whatever, if you don't have a car. Or you might have to miss something. It can also be a great escape to be gone for three hours, two right. and a half hours or something, um, just to kind of get out and take a breather and, and remember yourself because um, you can forget when you're in your family of origin. Very um very true. A very interesting to go to a meeting in another town, another country, mm-hmm. another place. The the similarities are so powerful, but the individual differences and the uniqueness of the people there is often a, a real gift. And mm-hmm. sometimes people will feel more comfortable telling their their story all over again because this is a new group of listeners and I don't have a relationship, and I can really get down to some of my honesty again and remember how powerful that honesty is in terms of healing me. Yeah, absolutely. When you hear stories of people who have gone to meetings internationally where the language is not the same, 
they walk in, they feel the same way. You know, pe- they, people know they're not their regular meeting participants, so they make an effort um, typically, and the flow of the meeting is the same. There's, a, there's such a groundedness in, to the familiarity of it and reading the 12 and 12, and you know, they know what they're reading, and they've heard it echoed in their own home groups, and um, they know how it closes usually, and it's just a really nice thing to feel that connection. Those traditions that just communities just pass. Yeah. And and the AA recovering community has these traditions that, that are th- all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and people within their own separate communities, I'm sure, have a lot of different traditions that help them ground. Yeah. But that um, repetitiveness, I know sometimes people say, well, it's the same thing. Yes, and there's beauty in that. Mm-hmm. There's beauty in the ritual of... Uh, we open in the same way. We close in the same way. The mm-hmm. structure of the meeting is very, very similar. The content varies greatly, mm-hmm. but the structure, uh, the symmetry of the meeting is there to provide s- accountability as well as support. And as you were talking earlier about your, your candlelight meditation, I think the idea of wrapping that blanket, just the mm-hmm. image of that, um, when you have the, the structure of a meeting that is predictable and expected, it's like wrapping yourself in a, in a nice blanket and, and giving yourself a big hug as you're, as you're there and you're allowing yourself to be a part and to pay attention and give honor and respect to your disease. I love that image. That's really lovely because that is what it feels like. Mm-hmm. You can do, you can have that feeling with a person, with a practice, and with a program. You know, with a tradition. That's that's very nice. Yeah. So the main thing right now is to start to talk about how how is your community um, there for you, and how are you there for your community during the holidays, and starting to you know make make. Um, Make sure that that's all happening for you in important ways. And it takes some thinking, and it takes some looking and to really pay attention to where where are my sources of positive energy, if mm-hmm. you will, where are my sources of, of love and kindness, and where am I getting a lot of negativity and um, ugliness and despair mm-hmm. in my life. And sometimes you may need to rearrange the amount of time and energy you are spending and expending in relationships that, especially during a time of stress, you might need to be a little bit more careful and a little more limiting. Absolutely. And and that doesn't mean that it's always going to be that way. Right. We also, you know, we really try to talk about just this year. Let's just do it this way this year just for today just for today one day at a time because that is how recovery happens and the holidays can be seen that way too just this holiday season let's see what you need to have be supported with this holiday season next holiday season is going to be different you know we'll meet that when we get there you know one of the other gifts that comes in community is you hear from other people that they survived this. Right. So when you're especially going into a holiday season and you're hearing from other people that they um, they had to disconnect from their families for a period of time and now their families have come back together and they have these wonderful experiences, you, you get to see that there's a possibility of that and there's hope that when you're stuck in the isolation and shame, all you see is the... the 
absence of the escape, the yeah. absence of your alcohol or your drug, and you don't see that there's a chance for for any mm-hmm. new hope or joy. So coming, getting into a community, you get to hear that there is that real possibility. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. And hope is wonderful. Yes, yeah. and that things can change and be better. And maybe this year is hard, and maybe you're lonely. Maybe there's um, some sadness in your life, but you can see that you can get through it, that people have, that their lives do take on a, a, a new vitality, and that they're able to have happy times and good experiences mm-hmm. again. And that hope is is the most powerful piece, I think, of, of a recovery meeting, mm-hmm. is that there is hope. No matter how dark or bleak or sad things look, the hope is there as you watch it manifest, maybe not in your life right at this minute, but in the, in the people around you. AA has that saying, don't stop before the miracle happens. And I love that because it's that reminder that right around the corner, something can really be different. And you never know when that's going to be. So you just keep doing it one day at a time and more will be revealed. And it's in a lot of it's going to be joyous. Just hold on. (laughs) Hang on and and surround yourself by people who will help you hang on and help you get through that time and feel um, feel that um, respect and feel that caring mm-hmm. that you can from from a healthy, supportive community. Yeah, which is another function of community, which is to hold space and to hold hope for you when you're not holding that for yourself. Your community can hold that and will hold that for you, which is just really so loving and powerful. The going in and out, um, the starting <laughs> and stopping, um, and and the idea that you too um, are are helping someone else just by being there, mm-hmm. just by sharing, just by playing a part, um, is helpful to others. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to focus a little more now on how do we how do we have community for professionals. So stay tuned. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. 
Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and this is America's Web Radio. Our guest with us today is Alice Wellens, and if you'd like more information about her You're listening to America's Web Radio on the America's Broadcast Network.com. Thank you for listening. On December 2nd, which is a Sunday, please go to her website at www.alicewellens.com. A-L-Y-C-E-W-E-L-L-O-N-S, or you can reach her at area code 404-664-3110, 404-664-3110. Thank you for being here, Alice, and uh, thank you for being here, David Donaldson from the Atlanta Healing Center. This has been a second an, favorite guest. Second favorite guest. <laughs> you rank a little higher than in, I do, in David. this room at this time. Um, <laughs> I um, I appreciate this topic because I think it is one that is not often talked about, but is so very basic and important. And when we think about it in terms of our patients, it's pretty clear how we help them. But when we think about it in terms of ourselves, um, other healing professionals. It's, it's sometimes difficult, and the isolation that you can feel as a person struggling with the disease of addiction is also an isolation that you can feel if you are a therapist, a healthcare provider, when you're spending all of your time helping others and often quite isolated because of time restraints yourself from your own healing community. Absolutely. And I, I think if I really thought about my practice and my professional life, I really believe that I would see that the relationships that have been made over the years with my colleagues who have become friends, um, mentors, my therapist, my supervisor, th- through the years, all of those people have been crucial and critical people that provided a community for me to learn, to grow, to understand what in the world I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But to come to with questions, to come to with mistakes that I've made, which have been many over the years. And also, so so there's that, um, but also just resources, when we can start with that, that this this disease that we deal with requires a lot of resources. Yes, and it requires knowing people who really understand this disease. This isn't your run of the mill issue. And if somebody doesn't understand addiction and recovery, then a lot of damage can happen. Yes, 
And so finding people that you know you can say to a client, listen, this person is top-notch, this person is wonderful, you know, this is your person, this is your therapist, this is your treatment center, Susan Blank, David Donaldson, Atlanta Healing Center, other places. These these are the people that are doing the best of the best. And I say to my clients all the time that I refer, I would refer my sister here, and I think this is this is the best that I've been able to find. So for me to sit in my office and sometimes quickly and sometimes slowly realize we've got a really bigger problem here that's out of my mm-hmm. scope of practice, I need to have a team to refer to, and I need to have community to help me when, you know, I need help. Right. <laughs> I need to call someone. In fact, sitting in treatment team today, we were discussing a situation where we had a family that is from another country and another culture and the way in which that culture views addiction is very different and has created for this family and for the patient in particular some difficulty in being able to embrace recovery and and deal with it so Discussing who can we refer this family to that understands this culture, understands the impact of this disease, and can help the family heal. Those kinds of situations come up a lot more frequently than you. And I'm thinking, who can I call and who would know? And Mm -hmm. how do we get uh, a solution and help? And I think of my friends, my colleagues, people that I've worked with before, uh, people in other states that... I, a patient may be moving or going to college or something. Having that network just for referrals, but to also feel comfortable, I'm handing this important person, this patient or their family, off to someone who I know and trust and can feel happy about that referral. Take some work on all of our parts to keep in touch with people and mm-hmm. find out what they're doing and uh, reach out, and we have to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think a microcosm of that is today. You know, I love coming up here and doing the podcast with you guys. I love seeing you all. I love catching up after and hearing what you're doing and talking about the work. And to me, you know, it really serves this critical, crucial purpose of staying connected to my community mm-hmm. because. I need, like you were just saying, I need to know what's going on and who's doing what and how how it's being done now or if there's something new. I, I try to pick your brain until you throw me in my car at the end of the night. <laughs> you know, what's happening and um, what does this mean? So that community is really, really just the most one of the most meaningful parts to me is the community. And they, they know your, you know their name and they know mm-hmm. your name. And I love that. One of the, the phrases used, used early on in this that I think is a, a great reminder is scope of practice. Mm-hmm. You know, it helps us remember that this is what our focus is and that we're only part of this community. Because I think a lot of times when you're sitting there with a, with a patient and they're telling you all these things and they're looking at you because they want your, your <laughs> you solutions. Everything. They want your solutions <laughs> for this. There's a sense of I have to help this person. Um, and that's, I think, mm-hmm. where a lot of people, a lot of professionals, and, and quite frankly, a lot of caregiver family members get themselves in trouble because we can't be everything to everybody. Um, and it's so nice to be a part of a community where I can say, well, you, that's really a discussion for you to have with the doctor. Um, I can say <laughs> that I'm not a family therapist. We know some great family therapists. I need to help you connect with them because otherwise – 
um, people can really find themselves in a in a peculiar situation. And that's how you get in trouble. Yes. You know, boundaries. Knowing if a client wants you to answer every question and handle every situation and you are too um, worried or whatever else about saying, I don't know, or that is out of my scope of practice, that it falls under this or that psychiatry or, you know, um, your sponsor or your or medical help, then once that boundary starts sliding, the disease is in there at that right. point. And um, just shame and isolation start. And then I'm not going to, then something usually happens, you know, some little something or a big something. And then I'm not going to want to call up Dr. Blank and say, well, guess what? <laughs> I said this and then I did this. And can you help me? <laughs> I need you to come in and fix this. Um, so it's a real example of how as professionals, we, we, can benefit so much from sharing with each other for resources and referrals and supporting each other's businesses and practices, which is so important, but also our growth and our knowledge and our sense of this is hard. You know, it's hard to me. It's really hard work, and it takes a lot. And to know that I'm not alone in that and I have a team and I have people I can call, it really means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that... The effort that you have to make as a professional to go out to meetings and to meet other people is definitely worth the effort. So I would encourage all of those who are listening to uh, join Alice in her loving kindness candlelight meditation on Sunday, December 2nd, www.alicewellens.com. Thank you for being here, Alice. Thank you, David. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week on Detailing Addiction. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com.